guys. Welcome to the Cultivating Key podcast. I'm Jeremy with my good friend, Corey Haynes, and this is where we talk about what we are learning, what we are studying in God's Word, and what is new with our businesses. What's up, Corey? Yo, yo. Feels like it's been a long time. I actually can't remember the last time that we recorded, but I know it was, it was actually kind of recent. Yeah. Well, know. we recorded last week with Kevin Miller. We did. On his podcast, Sent315 Podcast. Go check it out. That's but right. before that, it was probably three weeks. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess so. You know, so, er, early June-ish, yeah. right? But it's good to be back. Good to be back, man. Yeah, I cleaned my office out, and I had that like cardboard box with all of the recording stuff. Mm. And I you know, got rid of that, condensed into a small bin. And today, before you came over, I was like, where is that bin? I didn't know where it was. <laughs> so I was like, looking in the shed, in my closet. And I realized I put it underneath Connie's side of the desk. And so, yeah, it has been a while. because <laughs> I couldn't remember where it was. It's been long enough to be stowed away yes. already. It's, uh, but that's ba- the new goal. Whenever I'm done, I'm going to put it all away. And put Good it idea. neatly away. Good idea. All my stuff is just like out constantly, especially in the office. Yeah, same. It's always been that way. Like, my you know desk. I, clean. I, I had it one morning when I was in my office and I was like, I need to like deep clean this. Yeah. <laughs> I like took yeah. everything out and like swept and, you know, like a good cleaning. Dude, there, good. There are some times when I'll just like, I'll start cleaning the desk and then I'll look at my, it's usually actually when I take my computer out somewhere, then I'll notice like, like the, the screen <laughs> yeah. is all like grimy and then like there's all sorts of crap like on the keyboard and i'll just go through and clean it and then i feel like i have like a new level of productivity in me i'm just like slaying away at the keyboard and getting through (laughs) stuff and i can like actually see what's on the screen and there aren't like all these specs where i'm like is that part of the image or is that how do you clean your screen um i'll usually just like do like a dust first okay and then i'll just take like take like a wet paper towel really on your Uh, screen yeah, not super wet though, and just to kind of like do a little bit of like scrubbing, and then I'll take like a you know like a glass cleaner, or like a general purpose cleaner, just do like one little spray, and then kind That's of good. quickly go over. Cause I uh, on my old laptop, I didn't clean the screen for like three years, <laughs> and because I was afraid if I clean it with something that would like oh, you know, right. leave like marks, and so finally I got uh, I think it was like you know like for glasses, like cleaner like mm. that or something like that. And I did it all really well, but it like messed it up. It like along really? the, along the borders, it left this like like smudges and weird like mm. marks on it. And yeah, it was a huge bummer. And so I have this new laptop. I've had it for probably you know a month and a half, and I haven't yet cleaned the screen. The screen's not bad yet, but I'm like afraid to do it. It's not that scary. I don't know. What? Me and Dijanae were talking about, it and she was saying like the same thing. She, she's like afraid to clean hers too. Yeah, uh, it's definitely paranoid. Well, because you also spilled coke on one of your old uh, laptops. Yes, so thank you for that. That'll that'll. <laughs> Create some paranoia. Dude, that was back in, man, I was probably, I was still in high school. No, I think we just graduated. You just graduated, yeah. But I was FaceTiming uh, Nick. Nick and I think uh, Ryan and some other guys. Yeah, and I was outside on the back porch on the <laughs> table and it was like dark out there kind of. And mm-hmm. I put the Coke right on the edge of my laptop and it just tipped right over. Classic mistake. They loved watching that. <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. They took screenshots of me like freaking out, and it's like one of me like with my laptop in the air above my head, like shaking it, <laughs> like no, like that was funny. Oh man, there used to be this little um, <laughs> back when I worked in the office at Cordial, uh, back when people did that, there was these little um, it looked like a uh like a blow blowhorn. What's it called? Oh yeah, that like spray like dust. Yeah, so it was yeah. like a really it was like compressed air, and you could yeah, have like a little tiny yeah. nozzle, yeah. and you could just like spray it over your keyboard, and it would kind of like get in the cracks to get out all the crumbs mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I remember doing that a few times and like being like embarrassed because I was doing it like in the middle of the office, and everyone can hear like the, 
and then all this stuff was just flying off onto my desk. I would have to like quickly like brush it off before anyone knew how much stuff was coming out of my keyboard. All sorts of crumbs. And I got to give me one of those. Yeah, I know. It's a good investment. <laughs> so anyways, life is good. Things are good. Mm-hmm. Um, what's new with you? Dude, a lot. We finally launched the home staging business. So I, I think I mentioned that uh, on this podcast probably like a month ago. That's right. That um, was the teaser. Yeah. Here it is. So yeah, we finally did it. So again, doing it with Talia and Thomas because Talia started Fitzgerald Staging Co. in I think October. Mm-hmm. And pr- before then, we had been talking with her and Thomas about potentially doing one together. And so um, they started it and you know, kind of did it for a little while and we decided to you know join forces. So we officially launched. We've been working together for about two months now. So they moved into our warehouse, I think back in like May. So they've been in our warehouse for a while where we store the event stuff. And then I think uh, it was June 1st, we started actually like, doing stages with them. So how, how it's been working is basically uh, like we handle all things operations. So, you know, we obviously store everything and in charge of like, cleaning and organizing. And then uh, Talia's job is um, executing the actual stages. So uh, bringing on the clients and then, you know, the whole vision of how we stage the house. You know, she goes beforehand and kind of scopes it out. And then on the day of, um, she, you know, is kind of in charge of delegating, kind of putting things, putting things where she wants it. And then our guys handle, you know, delivering and packing and setting up and hanging pictures, all that good stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's been good. We finally launched those. So it feels good to like openly yeah, you know, talk amazing. about it. And now we can start promoting and trying to grow. Um, yeah, the website's all done. Um, go follow us on Instagram, Wonder Design and Staging. Go follow. There we go. Give us the follow. It's <laughs> crazy, man. Congrats. Yeah, yeah it's another another huge step. Um, just launching businesses left and right. Dude, it's been fun. We had a stage today. We have one tomorrow. So. Staying plenty busy. So, yeah, that's been a lot of fun. It's, again, it's, like, officially just launched. So, anyway, it's been good. But we'll see what happens and how it grows. So. Uh, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure it's only up and the right from here. And it's a good um, – and the reason why you kind of, you know, started working together also is just because you both have uh, kind of, like, mutually um, beneficial mm-hmm. where you can handle a lot of, like, the storage and operations mm-hmm. and just kind of, like, general mm-hmm. infrastructure. And then they can handle all of the, like – creative planning mm-hmm. sales side of things yeah which is right? great because yeah i so I, I like the sales side of, th- side of things which i am helping with but i hate the like creative like aspect i'm just not good at that it's not my strength but then talia does not like the like operational like logistical side which i love and so it's a great um combo also like again it's super hand in hand with events you know mm-hmm. a lot of the furniture yeah. that we set up for like staging we also do the same thing for like weddings and corporate events so it's a very very similar all the guys like already know what to do how to do everything so it's been good it's also been fun to, at least so far to kind of see the crossover so part of like launching like i kind of went through we have like a you know a list of probably like 30 35 key clients that we have with wonder events so whether it's you know coordinators or venue managers or um you know people like that that we do um you know reoccurring events with because they send us business i went through and i like reached out to about 30 of them and just kind of said hey here's what we're doing you know go, go check it out and uh, within the first hour, I got three replies from different coordinators. And one of them, uh, her, one of them's husband is in real estate. He's an agent. And so that was like a cool connection that she said she's going to pass this on to. Wow. And another one of them actually has her own like, on the side, like a staging business as well, which is really cool. Uh, but she works out of like LA area and she gets a lot of clients from San Diego that she doesn't do. And so mm-hmm. she said she would, you know, send us those clients. So that was cool. I like, kind of seen the crossover between Perfect. event business to this and um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really stoked. I, th- uh, I think it's going to go well. So that's crazy. It's kind of one of those things though. It never grows as fast as you want to grow. So, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, it is what it is, but then you end up where you are, you know, two years later with mm-hmm. something like wonder events and yeah. things going 
great even post pandemic and uh you know you just have to give it time yeah yeah and then i think the last thing i would say about it was um the launch took about two or three weeks longer than we planned so when they moved in like i think it was on may like first they moved in the goal was to officially launch it by uh june 1st um I'm sorry, June 12th was our, our like launch date. And we didn't do it until I think it was July, like, or June 31st, we like finally mm-hmm. launched. So yeah. it took about three weeks longer, but that's fine. So, no big deal. Yeah. It's going good, man. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I just love and admire how um, you keep finding new ways to like make use of the same resources mm-hmm. for different businesses. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I just think, I feel like I, you know, both listen to the same types of podcasts and I follow tons and tons of people. And I've never heard of anything particularly like this mm-hmm. where they are very different businesses, but they're very similar it's and very use the same hand. types of resources, mm-hmm. which is just like super, super smart. And so yeah, we got to get, we got to get at least off. one more. <laughs> <laughs> There's one more somewhere in here. Yeah. I mean, I think we, I don't, I don't have any ideas yet. Big trucks, strong guys, yeah, I mean, events. I got to find something. I think we'll, we'll, like we'll for sure get another one. I think, I mean, there has to be something. I don't yeah, know. It's gotta be something. My next idea would be, I would like to buy like a pool cleaning, a pool cleaning route. I think I was telling you that. Hmm. Um, it's like maintaining like people's uh, pools and, yeah. But I want to buy one. Some of that already. Cause I think you can find these guys that have been doing it for you know, 20, 30 years already just to sell it. And so it would come with a clientele, hopefully you know, like a truck and some equipment. So I'd love to do that and like work it for like a month or two, kind of learn it and then hire someone just to like do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could be fun. And then um, and that might be that might be the next one we try to do. But that's kind of different from what we're doing now. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. use all the same resources. I mean, we could, we could probably use like the warehouse. That's about it. But um, it's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty different. It's pretty very different. Yeah. So it's got to be another one that's like more in line, like moving events and staging. So yeah. if you're listening, have any ideas, let me know. Maybe we can partner. You never know. You never know. Right now it's the trifecta. So t- <laughs> to put one more on there, that's a big one. There's, um, well, Brent Bishore, who we're going to, it might be Bishore, Bishore. I don't know. I've just been saying Brent Bishore. So sorry, Brent, if we're mispronouncing it. But he's going to be on the podcast in the next coming months. We're scheduling with him. I'll be following up with him in August, probably record in September, maybe release in September or October. He's a really, really cool guy. I'll have a link to him so people can learn more about him before we talk to him. But uh, one of their kind of like key businesses in their portfolio, basically like a buy and hold forever private equity firm is uh, basically just like a pool cleaning company that has a whole bunch of routes all in, Hmm. I think like, I think just Arizona, like mainly like Phoenix, Sedona mm-hmm. um, areas. Uh, so he knows all about that. Yeah. I'll ask him. Yeah. I just read his book too. I finished it. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Um, that's really cool though. I'm glad to have. So Wonder sta- Wonder Design and Staging dot mm-hmm. com and or uh, on Instagram. Yep, for sure. Yeah, besides that, uh, events are still going very well. Um, I think I shared last time, but still busy. Um, one of the hard thing is we find ourselves just turning away a lot of work right now um, for really? a couple of reasons. One of the, the biggest one has been uh, like inventory itself. So not so much just like we can't do it, but we just we like we're fully booked on, on items, which is good. That's a good problem to have. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> but we've also been getting so many just last minute requests. It's so bizarre because previously, like the last couple of years, you know, most people, you know, for at least if it's for a wedding, they'll book, you know, like at the latest, probably three months out. Right, Most right. of them are like six months to a year, year and a half, to even two years out is very normal. 
Um, but we've just been so many, so many people that literally will book us like the week before. I mean, I had someone, today's <laughs> Tuesday, I had someone sign a contract and pay for today and the event is on Thursday. No. In like a day and a half, dude. They they paid it like noon today and I was like, oh, it's like, it just, it's bizarre to How me. How big of a wedding? Or it was like a smaller, I think it's like 40 people, but still, okay. I mean, they had a professional coordinator. So I mean, it is like a legitimate wedding. It's not wow. someone's like backyard. It's like at a venue. So it's, it was just so weird. Um, and they were renting like tables, chairs, and like their ceremony arch. Like, it, you know, it was like some decent parts of like the actual wedding. And so anyway, that's been like a hard struggle is like I still need to plan and prepare and like get things ready. But it's also been hard because there's so many just like open events that don't close out. Like the quilts will like often close out like a, a week of, you know. So that's been hard. But it's been good. Um, and then we again, like I said, we've still been turning events away, which... I don't want to do but at the same time it's kind of like a sweet spot like there are some events that it makes sense to take on because they fit in with our route but other events just like right out of the way and don't make sense so mm. kind of finding a balance with that um but since we've hired someone full-time um it's been going really good i mean i i have not been on the truck for an actual event in about six weeks wow. so that's been super awesome that's a long time yeah it's been great um so i'm very grateful i've i've gone there was one event i think i went like met them there to kind of like get them started and helped out but i, I mm. left soon a- soon after and then um, I've been doing like the staging stuff, but I have not gone to actual like, you know, for our event side of the business. So it's been great. Everything's been going well. And we've been doing, I think one weekend we did 12 events and I still didn't have to go. Like they, they've been doing very well. So that is super exciting. It's been my goal like this whole time to like finally get to more of a business versus like my job. Mm-hmm. And we're getting there. So, you know, we're learning, Crazy. we're figuring things out and got to find a rhythm. But uh, I'm super stoked. Again, you, you know me. That's been like one thing I've wanted for a long time. So it's been good, and it's been fun. We've been doing some things to kind of make things more smooth. But one of the things we do now is like a weekly production meeting. So on like Tuesday or Wednesday, I'll meet with some of the guys. They'll come to my house, my office, and we'll go down to the warehouse, and we'll just kind of go through everything like detail by detail in mm-hmm. front of my computer, and we'll just like go through everything, you know, all the events, you know, like all the logistical details you need to know, the layout, and kind of help prepare them, and then. Uh, then during the week we'll get all the rentals basically ready. So we'll kind of like pull things off the racks, kind of stage our piles of events for the weekend. Oh. So that way when the weekend comes, they just, you know, look back the truck up, load up and go and just very like seamless and smooth. So it's been good. You know, there's been some hiccups and some things we have to figure out, but nothing that's been crazy. So hmm. it's, it's working. Um, Are you like <clears throat> documenting all this like process that you're creating and you know, like, uh, all the systems you're sort of putting in place? It's a good question. Um, that's one thing I was literally talking to the guys this last week, after the weekend, we're kind of like decompressing, you know, what went good, what didn't. And it's one thing we talked about was, is creating like the standard procedures for a lot of these things. So I've started that and I have that in the works and we've been using some things, but there's a mm-hmm. lot more I need to like really uh, add on to the list. So yeah, that's yeah, a good point. You should make, uh, get going on the, the wonder uh, handbook. Yeah, I have it. It's started. I think I have, I have like, 15 pages so far okay. so it's, it's something it's yeah. but yeah. it needs to be more extensive i think so. yeah that feels like the ultimate goal yeah. for something like this especially mm-hmm. where you can really systematize everything and then that way employee onboarding you know mm-hmm. operations anyone else you know it becomes replaceable and then you can really start to like refine and iterate and mm-hmm. you know work out the, the kinks yeah. and mistakes and errors yeah, which for sure we'll you know we'll we'll get to that um that's been on like the list for the year so mm-hmm. that will be part of things as they come uh, what, uh, what, so we um are still seeing effects from COVID, though, which I wanted to say, which is kind of mm. weird. You wouldn't think about, but 
So last year, there's a lot of events that we had to reschedule over 130. And most of those were pretty good about as they would reschedule, they would kind of check back again saying, hey, you know, Jeremy, I'm thinking of doing this day or this day. Are you available? And I could confirm that. But I had a good amount of people that just like rescheduled and said, hey, here's my new day. Hope you're available. And it's kind of like, shoot, like what if I'm not? Yeah. And so we had a couple of those that um, fell for the end of this month where they just like rescheduled and didn't tell us. And we don't, like, don't have the inventory. So, like, one of the things is, like, tables. We were, like, short, like, five tables. So, right. I have to build, like, five new tables. And I just, I just found out. And so, that's a huge bummer because wood is very expensive right now. That's right. And it's a lot of work. So, yeah. that's, like, one bummer. But, again, like, we're still seeing the effects. We're, you know, we still have people that – I still have people that are still trying to reschedule to this day. So, <laughs> just crazy to think about that. As good as things are going, we still are dealing with the effects of COVID. So that just yeah. which has been a bummer. But yeah. it's still a lot better than last year. So, I'm not complaining, but that's going good. And then the last thing I would say on a business, um, I actually, Connie just started, I think I mentioned last time, but you brought up having someone really start taking over the emails and kind of mm. getting that more process. So Connie's actually doing it, which has been good. So we we're going to hire someone, but Connie kind of volunteered and wants to do it and I don't have to pay her. So that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so she's helping me a lot now with emails, which has been great. You know, she, there's a lot of just details and back and forth and following up and, just hours and hours and hours a day. And so that's kind of funny today. Actually, we were kind of going through, I was kind of showing her some things that I do. And uh, this morning I started, I think it was like around seven. I started doing emails and I think I started the day with like 35. Right. And I think around nine, I finally got down to, I think I got down to like four or five emails. And then uh, she came in, I was we were talking through some stuff and within an hour of the emails were back up to like, I think it was like 19, whatever, right. just within an hour. And there's yep. people responding from this morning. And so I was trying to show her like, this is what happens. Like that's so, that's so, that's why I spend so much time doing emails because by the time I get through them all, they start responding then I have mm-hmm. to go back to them. And so having her help uh, is going to be huge. So that's she awesome. just started like a week ago. So yeah. Yeah, man. Amazing. So that's kind of the business update. How about you, man? Oh man. Yeah. Honestly, not a ton. And that's kind of like my update is that, um, I've been learning that there's sort of like these, uh, like these work cycles and I had mentioned it a little bit before, but I think, one of the things that I really realized was that when, when there's good, like work life balance and like, if I feel like I'm doing really well with work, then like, you know, my personal life is, is like good. And then I can like rest well and I don't have to think about things and not stressed about it as much. And then that in turn allows me to go the next day and then like do good work again. And then I, you know, rest well again on the weekends or on the nights, whatever. But then if it's, like if I don't feel good about my work or I'm not getting what I need to get done, then that bleeds into like personal life and then that starts to suffer, which then has this like negative effect on work life. And it's like this vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I'm like sort of just now like breaking out of, I think like the vicious cycle a little bit where I was feeling really stressed about work and just things not going like as fast or as well as I want them to do to go. And also just my own productivity, like just not, getting done the things I wanted to just for lack of mm-hmm. energy and motivation, um, which then would go and affect my, my personal life. Uh, and like that just, you know, affects like sleep and all this other kind of stuff. So um, just, you know, getting out of that now, but I always have to remind myself that the two are very related, like way more related than I would, than I would think. And it's just so, so interesting how like they both, um, influence the other you know like they're not like these compartmentalized you know ind- independent things they each affect the other mm-hmm. and so like you can't really like take the gas off on either one you mm-hmm. have to take time off take you know put your brain off of work 
and you also have to be able to really get into work mode and not let that kind of stuff get in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, all that said, things have still been going uh, good. And I feel like through a lot of this, it's kind of funny because through a lot of the time that I haven't been getting things done, <laughs> I've been doing a lot of thinking about the things that I want to get done. And that in turn has created some like vision and clarity about what I actually do want to do. And so, and so now I have kind of like this list of uh, like these kind of like big rocks, um, if you will, of like these are like the major priorities. I want to create two more courses. I want to update my current courses. Um, and then like the kind of content I create will be uh, like finishing the swipe file that's being curated, um, building out like a really true newsletter, an automated newsletter, and then all of my Twitter content uh, as mm-hmm. well, which is becoming much more like systemized. Um, so that's been good because, uh, I've been going back and forth about like summits and workshops and AMAs and community stuff and, uh, all sorts of, you know, eBooks and just all these ideas kind of like rolling around my head of just what I could be or should be doing. And I've just been sort of realizing that like less is more and it's not about like doing all the things it's about doing the things that I enjoy and also the things that sort of like give me the best bang for my buck, so to speak, for like what I put into it and what it results in. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Has it been like a daily, like uh, daily defeat of like, you know, not getting down what you yeah. done or more like project based? Or what has it been? Yeah. It's been like I'll have like one or two really good days of work and then the rest is kind of just like dragging my feet getting little things done here and there like and, uh, your days get interrupted or um interrupted or like, like yeah. i'm just not that productive i don't feel like it or i'll just i won't work as much um i've had some of those too it's been weird yeah part of it i think too is that like i don't know if i mentioned this last time but i think with like COVID restrictions being lifted and it being summer i'm like i, I just want to get out <laughs> i just like w- want to like do fun stuff again and have you been working from like the park or anywhere cool or been home most of the time when you work no so that's the other thing um i definitely want to go out and work from other places and i've tried to a few times and it hasn't worked out which has been one of the other things Maybe so what, like just like i'll go to a coffee shop and like just the wi-fi is gotcha, crap yeah. it doesn't work um or like i went to panera and um dude i love working at panera because their tea is so good yeah i like the coffee <laughs> i just work work from their coffee <laughs> and but, the wi-fi um, normally it's quiet too clean and good wi-fi but it was not good yeah no it, it was good it wasn't it was more that like that day i went to panera and monique was doing um a little uh like market at the well at grossmont center and um i just you know i was moving stuff back and forth i had to pull out cash for her took me forever to figure out how to get my coffee, which is embarrassing. Um, cause I hadn't done it forever. And like, <laughs> there was like the whole like contactless thing. And they're like, Oh, I was like waiting for my coffee at the, you know, place where they give you your food. And then, um, I was literally waiting for there for like 15 minutes. I was like, Hey, did you, it says that my order is ready. Cause I got the text message. They're like, Oh no, you just go grab a cup from over there. It's <laughs> like, Oh really? Um, so anyways, that, I was planning on spending like, you know, three to four hours working there. And I think I got like 45 minutes of work in, yeah. you know, stuff like that yeah, where I'm like, okay, there goes half your day. Yeah. Right. Half my day pretty much gone. Yeah. Um, other places, you know, not so much work. Uh, 
yeah, just been in my office a lot, which I think is part of the problem. Just need to get out more, just, you know, vary it. I've been thinking about getting a co-working subscription specifically for that reason, just to like, you know, new, fresh, get out of the house, kind of like kick me into gear a little Dude, bit. I would Less split one with you if we can, if yeah. that works. Yeah. Uh, I was talking with another friend who has a co-working space and, um, Nick? and yeah, Nick and actually another friend, uh, our friend Chris and, um, they both just started again and it looks nice. It looks fun. Yeah. Sticker price is a little bit, I'm a little bit hesitant about, I also don't have like a strict schedule, but it's also like, I love being home and mm. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think sharing one would be cool cause I don't want one full time, but yeah, right. Two days a week, maybe, maybe three, you know, just kind of like right, here and there. Like, like that. It'd be cool. Yeah. Okay. We'll have to talk about that. Um, cause I, I think I would like to do that as like a, all right, I'm just going to, get stuff done here for this day. I'm not going to leave until these things are done and, um, and just, and just do it. You know, even with Remy, sometimes <laughs> I'll be on my lap and then I'll start barking at something. And mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's a whole new set of challenges from working from home, even though I'm doing it for a while, I still feel like I don't really have it nailed down mm-hmm. and probably will never have it, you know, perfected. But, um, yeah, that's been part cool. of the story there. Uh, this is like a random idea, but you know, since we're on the topic of co-working spaces, this has been on my mind and part of this has been my conversation with Chris as well, because, um, I think that, you know, like I was thinking, okay, why, why haven't I got a subscription yet? And I think that we're still in this like old model. Like first it was like, okay, you like go and you rent an office and you have like a dedicated space just for you and for your employees. And then COVID hit and remote work happened and like everyone kind of like shifted into this new era of working. Um, and through all that, you know, we work became a thing and like a lot of co-working spaces were created and they started charging per desk. And, and I, now I'm thinking like, I think the per desk thing is kind of old and antiquated and outdated. And that's not really like what I'm looking for. I'm not just looking to like rent a desk. I'm looking just for a space to go work from and I, I want looking for some of the amenities as well so anyway this is more of like a business idea for like later just to like put it out there in the world but i love the ideas the idea of a co-working space but i feel like um like the future will look like these kind of like hybrid spaces where it's not just like you know you you rent a space but it's more like getting like a gym membership where uh you know you're not it's not like it's like if you were going to the gym, you were like renting each machine that you used or you like rented like a specific part of the gym. It's like, no, I want to use all the machines at the gym and like come and go as I please, whether that's like twice a day or once a month or like never, <laughs> right? But like you have it in case you need it. And a co-working space could be like that where you just, you know, buy, you, you pay, I don't know, a hundred bucks a month for access. And they might not get you like a desk, but it gets you access to the space where there's common spaces there's chairs there's big old tables there's i don't know like coffee on tap um there's recording studios or meeting rooms and it's sort of just like come and go yeah, as you first please. come first serve like, exactly you know. yeah or like reserve if you really need to but there aren't like hard limits around everything because most co-working spaces do you have like a desk or do you have a yeah. space right you have to buy yeah there's like different levels and tiers of desks mm-hmm. or even like private spaces that are basically just like mini offices inside of a larger office space. And I just feel like, you know, like, and it's like a steep curve too. It's like, you know, starting price is two ninety nine, 
and then it's like five ninety nine, and then it's like twelve hundred, and then like five thousand. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, I'm not gonna spend six hundred bucks. That'd be like really boozy just for like a desk space. Three hundred dollars though, they're like really limited. It's like, oh, you, um, you know, you can use like one of the, you know, one of the common uh, desks, you know, as they're available. I'm like, okay, well, like even even then, like it's basically just like a table. There, there are no monitors. There's no like, you're just using like a table. It's not really like a desk per se. So the other part of it is I feel like you can pair it with things like, like I said, like coffee or coffee shop, even like gym, like fitness center, daycare. It's kind of like the well, you know, inspired yeah. some of that ideas um, where it's more like um, this hybrid space instead of just like, I come here to rent mm-hmm. a desk. Yeah. And I think I told you, but in Europe, they, we, uh, we uh, wanted to get coffee one day. We found this place on Yelp, and we like went to it. When we got there, we found out that uh, it's kind of so it's like a co-working space, but you pay like a monthly subscription, or you can pay like by the day. And mm-hmm. uh, it's like a it's like a coffee shop though, so it's not just like coffee and tap. It's like, like an internet cafe, right? Basically, yeah. It's like a barista. They had like some a uh, couple boardrooms. They had like one like maybe private office. And they had just a ton of open tables. It was like a nice like coffee shop basically yeah. um but you can't just go like you, anyway so like for the day i think we each we had to pay like 20 bucks each whatever but mm. it gave us like the full day but we wanted to do some work so we did it and it was really cool and it's kind of like a library right it was really quiet yeah um, yeah but it was unique because again it had like a full-on barista like and it's like food and like pastries and it's all included so that was kind of a cool idea i thought um but again, totally. but again like first come first serve like you don't have like your own spot um it's kind of cool yeah i like that because you know i can imagine there's different spaces like there's like okay you here's like the nice, you know, desk areas where like there's monitors mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, not like cubicles, but like they're individual kind of like, you know, desk spaces. And then there's like a common area where there's like, you know, lounge chairs and, mm-hmm. um, you know, couches and like big tables, you know, like community tables and maybe like a little coffee shop or something. Mm-hmm. And then there's like private spaces, you know, rooms, recording studios, meeting rooms, conference rooms. And then there's like, you know, library area mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, quiet, you know, you go in there just to get your work mm-hmm. done, put headphones in, there's no music playing. Yeah. It's just like focus time. And it's sort of like more, uh, you know, like just desk area, not desks. I, yeah, desks. So I think I here's like a spin on that. I have a client that they, the girl does real estate and then she just like had some new things she was starting. But basically it was this, I think I told you about it. It was like a professional like business type of co-working space. So, but also was like, um, so I think it was like a wine bar or maybe it's like some kind of like, maybe it had a restaurant to it. I'm not really sure. I think, <laughs> I think it was just a space, but basically during the day it's just like co-working, right? So working and you can host meetings there and whatever, but also they had like a, like a package, whatever you could basically rent it out for the night. You could have like team meetings there, and like oh, yeah. you could host like uh, networking events, whatever. And it's re- I thought it was a really cool idea. And it was like by like in Carlsbad, like kind of like, by the beach. I had like mm-hmm. a view, like a really cool like high end space. Yeah. Cool. Was, so was, you get like the people renting spaces, but also they can rent for the night. You know, like right. Build a venue almost. You know. Right. Cool. Like a, yeah, event venue. I was listening to a podcast where there was a startup idea that like I think kind of fizzled out, but it's basically there. There's some like restaurants or places where they only use it for like a part of the day. Maybe like a coffee shop closes at, you know, I don't know, three o'clock or something. Um, or a restaurant opens for dinner. So like for like, you know, 7 a.m. to, you know, 3 p.m. Like no one's in there. No one's even using it. And they basically like allowed those restaurants to, 
rented out as office space during the day and then like everyone gets kicked out and then they you know use it for the, the you know the restaurant <laughs> during the actual restaurant hours and um it was like good and then like something happened or like they didn't get the adoption they needed they raised too much money or something but hmm. i feel like that's kind of an interesting spin on it that's also cool. that's cool and then you can like buy it's kind of like a class pass idea where you know you have access to a whole bunch of different spaces for one price and so that way you're not just like set on one location but you can like go access mm -hmm. you know any one of these that are available in your network um yeah. so we'll see something That's like right. that yeah. one other update uh i can't remember where I, le where I left off in the last one but i think i had mentioned some like equity mm -hmm. crowdfunding did, yeah. and even like angel mm -hmm. investments yep. i talked about that okay mm -hmm. so uh wired my my first two angel checks how much were they uh a thousand each really yeah Wow. Um, that's pretty much like the minimum for something like an angel. Uh, that's like a very, very mm. small check. Normally like an angel check would be anywhere between like five and 25,000 is like the standard. Mm. Um, but basically these, both these companies, uh, I had known the founders. Oh, that's what you personally, um, that's what you invested. Gotcha. I yeah. thought you were saying that was like your, your first monthly check you got. No, no, no. Yeah. I was oh, like, yeah. Hey, no, how no much did you invest buddy? No distributions yeah. yet. I won't see those for a few years. Um, but uh, both of them approached me and were like, hey, we'd love to include you even if it was mm -hmm. like a small check. And um, so 1,000 was the number that Monique and I decided on. Cool. And um, yeah, it feels good. I think they're both closed. Like they closed their round. Mm -hmm. I was, I think, one of the first people to wire it. I'm on the cap table now. So mm -hmm. get the That's investor cool. updates. It's really interesting. Like I feel like from the outside looking in before, it was like this very like ambiguous, like what does it mean to be an angel investor? Like mm -hmm. to write a company a check. And it's like so simple. It's mm -hmm. like email comes in. Hey, you want to like invest? Like sign this, pay here. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And they're like, okay, wire it here. Here's like this, you know, DocuSign. Put your signature in there. Mm -hmm. Cool. Like log into this software. All right. That's <laughs> okay. cool. You're invested now. Like, oh, that was really, really simple. I'm sure it wasn't always like that. Yeah. We're spoiled now with technology and stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, it's actually very simple. <laughs> and um, I've also made a couple of equity crowdfunding equity crowdfunding investments in a couple more companies, um, also small checks. Uh, we'll see how those go, sort of like long-term. Spreading your bets, bets out, huh? That's right, yeah, portfolio small, small bets. Um, I think I was looking at them, I think that there's, uh, I think like, uh, I think I have like 10 now mm. that I've done. Really? Yeah, on the last like six months, mm. which is pretty crazy. Um, but I'll probably slow down after this a little bit. <laughs> It's been like this boom because in March there was that regulation change where uh, it became a lot easier to write checks as a really small, as like a mini or a micro angel mm. uh, and also for equity crowdfunding as well. So mm. um, there's been like this boom of people interested in it as also a boom in startups mm. using those kind of investment vehicles. Mm. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But that's it on the, on the work slash business side of things for me. Cool, man. I uh, scroll up here to my notes i jotted down doo -doo -doo -doo. um i you mentioned uh brett bishore or bishore whatever you pronounce <laughs> it. Anyway, i mentioned his book the messy marketplace but i finished it basically it's about like buying and selling businesses mm. it went way more into detail than i thought it would yes yeah. i wish i would have had that when i was like buying some cars because it was like very helpful but it was really fun to like recall what we did and then see that stuff right mm. and so and a lot of he's talking about these you know you guys did a lot of things right i think yeah i think so too yeah um you know, a lot of things he's talking about are like, you know, much higher scale, 
you know, bigger sales, uh, sale prices, right? So it was still, it was helpful and it was cool. I think for the next time we buy or sell something, it'll be cool to like hmm. refer. I like made a bunch of notes. I'll refer to it. It's like a handbook quite literally. Yeah, it was, yeah. The first like chapter and a half, like was got me really excited. Like I was sitting on my back patio, the sunset's going down. <laughs> like I was like, wow, this is so Dreaming cool. Dreaming big dreams, thinking about all the companies. And the next buy. chapter was like, okay, the balance sheet. It's very just yeah. like, you know, <laughs> oh, this is different, but it was still helpful. It was still a good read. I read it like two days. Cause it was like, what? hundred pages. I don't know. Yeah. Something like that. Um, but it got me, it reminded me of something that, that I wanted to share. Um, this one is kind of like learning, kind of like studying, like what's, what's God speaking to me, but I'll start with kind of like the more of the learning side of it. Um, but anyway, it's got me thinking about, I noticed it this week because we just had a future quest. So I saw a bunch of people I have not seen in over a year or, you know, a couple several months. And whenever I see someone, you probably have this a similar question, but everyone always says, how's business? <laughs> just like every single time, which is fun. It's cool to like to tell them, but so whenever someone asks me that, I always tell them, you know, how it's going. And when I say with them, like, you know, how's your work going? How's your life going? Almost every time I get an answer of someone either saying, like, oh, man, like, I wish I could do what you're doing. Or they say, like, basically how they hate their job. Or, oh, you know, it's just, it's just work, but it pays the bills. Um, even this weekend, I was at a bachelor party. And every every guy that I, I think I only knew, like, two people in the bachelor party. And there was, like, eight. And so every guy that I met, you know, asking about, like, work. Mm. And almost every single guy said, like, how they hated their work. Really? Um, yeah. And so I just started thinking, like. Well, a that sucks and it's like a huge bummer but like most people probably feel that way um i was just kind of thinking is it, is it really possible to do like what you love like cause i, I want to say for myself i'm doing what i love hmm. like specifically right like, i don't love events i don't love moving i don't love staging i love business and that's been like a ton of fun like i feel like i'm i know that i'm like fulfilling what i was made to do like it feels so natural um but is it possible to do what you love and if and if not like how do you get to if you're in a situation, right, where you have a job that you don't like, but you're providing for your family, like, how do you get out of that to do what you want? So I was kind of thinking, I've just been thinking about that, and I don't really know what the answer is, but I'm curious on your thoughts, but some things I was thinking about was, like, the first thing you probably should do is figure out what you want to do, right? I mean, that's probably step number one. I think I would, I would venture to guess most people don't even go there, right? I think they probably just get caught in, like, the cycle of, paying bills and you know maybe it's being comfortable or maybe it's being secure i don't know what it is but you kind of get stuck there and you don't even branch off to think about what it is that you want to do um but i think if that's like the first step like you know figure out what it is so is, is it you know having a business is it you know having like a you know job you're passionate about is it traveling you want to be a teacher like whatever it is like i think figuring that out and then i think that the very simple step is like finding time to chip away at it like just slowly like little by little um I don't know. I mean, you're doing what you like for the most part, right? So how, like, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on that? Like, I guess it was weird. It kind of just like hit me, I think, because I had so many conversations about this and I was like, wait a second. I once again realized that most people like don't do what they like. You know, they're just working. Know. And it's, it's, a, it's so bizarre to me. Like, it's so weird. But also I, like, I feel because like it's, how do you get out of it? Like, I, I almost feel like I got lucky. Like, I, I love what I get to do. And it kind of just like fell into my lap and just like started doing it. But before that, you remember, right? When I hated what I was doing, like it sucked and it was really hard. So I don't know, like, if someone's listening or someone is not doing what they want to do, like, how can they get there? Like, what are the mm. steps? What are the things to do to, like, start doing that, you know? Right. Yeah, I think, um, like, one of the interesting bits, like, before I get a little bit more tactical is, um, there's, like, this kind of marketing principle that I like to talk about because no one else does, but it's called the human action theory. And it's basically, like, what gets people to actually take action? Because for the most part, you know, the way that we're way that we work as human beings is we love the status quo. Like it's easier to just like sit in your couch and watch TV than it is to like get up and 
go to the gym or to like change a habit or to do something that's like hard or like takes takes effort. Like we always revert to like the path of least resistance mm-hmm. basically. Um, and so, you know, from a marketing perspective, it's like, how do you get other people to do things? Or from like a leadership perspective, you can even take that same kind of uh, perspective. But if you looked at, if you took that perspective for yourself, it's like, how do, how do I get myself to take action? Or like, how do you inspire like a friend or like mm-hmm. give them advice for themselves? And the human action theory is that uh, first you need to create dissatisfaction with the status quo because if people are comfortable with their lives the way that they are, even if they're not happy, they can still be comfortable, then nothing's ever going to change. Um, first, they have to be dissatisfied enough that they want change, that they're looking for something else, uh, that they're so unhappy, and this is like a very morbid view, but, but they're so unhappy that you know they're basically desperate, mm-hmm. right? And then the second step is that they need to have a vision for what could be, so it's called the desired state. So there's like mm-hmm. current state, and then there's desired state or future state. And that's basically like, I want to get to this place, this destination, or I want to be doing this. Um, and so this is the one where I feel like I always tell people you need to like read books and listen to podcasts, like just like know what's out there and what's possible. And like, it's kind of like the matrix, red, blue, red pill, uh, blue pill. Like, do you want to have like your eyes open and like know what's out there? Or do you just want to like keep kind of living in ignorance a little bit? And once you know what's out there, you kind of like can't unsee it. And that'll give you like a place of, even if you don't know what it looks like, you know that it's out there and that'll just at least give you something to look forward to. And then the one that always people, people always forget about is in step three, which is basically like, um, or an actionable, achievable path to getting from, you're going from your current state to your desired state, basically like a Mm -hmm. bridge you can think of it. So, uh, there's like this big chasm, right? Like right now there's no way that you can get from where you are to where you want to be, but there's, there has to be some sort of bridge that can help you cross that mm-hmm. chasm and, um, and give you the tools, resources, mechanisms you need. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that case, you know, that's where I tell people you need to be, you know, figure out like what it is that you're good at. Like what are your talents and gifts? What are your interests? And like, what do you just like innately, curious about and passionate about and like Mm -hmm. what you know what that's where the whole like idioms like what feels like play to you that feels like work to Mm -hmm. others and yeah you know there's this whole like ikigai like you know what do you get at what are you what can you be paid for what does the world need what do you love doing kind of ideas um and then it's also like just what is uh like what are like the tactical things that you could be doing is it like start a local business is it start a, you know, create a course. Mm -hmm. Is it start a software app? Like, you know, like what is like the thing? Um, so I don't know that that's always the thing when I talk to people, I always try to figure out that first one. Like, are they really so unhappy that they are like looking for something else? Uh, cause a lot of people just say they're unhappy. I am unhappy, but like they're actually comfortable in their unhappiness. Yeah. Well, I was was talking to this guy at at this bachelor party and he was saying that, so he works, he's a machinist, um, like downtown. And he basically, I think he, he runs like a large, like CNC machine and he, uh, they cut solar panels. I think they cut Mm. some kind of like solar product. And he said, it's like, it's kind of dark, like dingy warehouse downtown by the Harbor. And yeah, he works the night shift. So he works from like, Mm. I think it's 2 PM to like 11 PM, whatever it is. And he was saying like every day when he's on his way to his, and, and he lives in Mexico. So he, oh, his like, his day is like a 12 hour day. He leaves his house, I think around 11 
to get to work by by two. It takes a long 2 time. Two a.m. Uh, eleven uh, eleven a.m. He starts work at two p.m. Oh, in the okay, afternoon, okay. and then he works until he, ten or eleven at night. Oh wow! But he said he'll leave his house at eleven, gets home like after midnight, so it's like a yeah. full like thirteen yeah. hours. And it sounds like horrible. And he he just said like he's saying how much he hates it. You know, he said, he said he's like walking into work, he just feels like oh I hate this so much. Like, I don't I cannot believe I've spent eight hours here. And I just thought like whoa like that really like that's sad. That really sucks. But what you're saying is like maybe he's just complaining. Maybe he is not like to the point where he can't bear it. He's not like super uncomfortable. It's not like pushing him to like the vision like the, like the next step. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I think that step two also has a a point in there where sometimes you need something as like a, a catalyst is like this is like my new hope or like goal mm-hmm. and that in turn creates kind of enough dissatisfaction to where you feel like you do need to do something about that mm-hmm. dissatisfaction yeah um so the you know the two kind of play hand in hand um but i think there's a lot you know uh Monique's brother just graduated high school and he's 18 and he's thinking about what does he want to do for work and major in and uh i don't think it's super clear for him and you know, so I told him before, hey, if you ever want to talk about this kind of stuff, you know, I'm an open book and we'll have to sit down and workshop ideas. Uh, but even then, like, I feel like now, um, what the thing that I always try to tell people is don't think about so much of what you want to do, but who you want to do it for. Because at least for me, I've found that there's a lot more satisfaction in the things that you do if you like the people that you're working with mm-hmm. or that you're working uh, I guess like like the the end like market basically that you're in. If you like despise real estate agents, it doesn't matter if you're a real estate agent, a mortgage broker, if you're a software developer for real estate agents, if you're a you know whatever it is like. It's just your life is not going to be very fun. Um, for me, like that was one of the reasons I took the job with Bear Metrics because I was really fascinated with software founders and operators. Like that's who I wanted to be, and that was just seemed like a really cool group of people Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day it didn't matter all that much what I did so long as I got to do it with them in mind because it was inspirational Mm -hmm. to me and um, so it's the same thing like if you're really into uh, gamers or nonprofit organizers pastors Mm -hmm. um, local business owners like it doesn't matter it's just you you can find something to to do for those people Um, and it might change over time too you know, mm-hmm. people have a lot more careers nowadays than they used yeah. to. Yeah. Well, uh, I want to bring it full circle and then that'll probably be actually the last thing I want to share. But I, uh, so I had a future cross week where I had all these conversations and then next weekend I had this bachelor party and I left Saturday night at like 10 and I had like, it's like a two and a half hour drive home. So I'm driving home Saturday night and I was kind of just like thinking, I was listening to like a podcast. Like I turned it off at one point and I just was like in the quiet, like thinking about all this stuff, like what I've kind of shared with you about these conversations. And uh, I was, Part of it was, like, reflecting. It was weird. It was, like, a mix of, like, like I feel bad for, like, this guy that I was sharing with me. That sucks. But also, I was, like, just, like, deep gratefulness in my heart. Like, thank you, mm. God, so much. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm doing what I love. Like, it's so awesome. And then, it, um, but also, I was kind of thinking, like, like why, like, why, how, like, why am I, why do I have this? Like, right? How come I do, but then this guy doesn't? Like, what, what is that? And um, I, I, I was reminded of this prophecy that my brother-in-law had for me that I wanted to share. I don't think I've ever shared it on this mm. podcast, but... Um, I don't think it's, I don't think I'm like crazy special, or whatever. But I want to be clear. I just but it was a cool thing for me that I've remembered this in times of feeling like low or when I like wasn't doing what I wanted to do. Like I remembered this prophecy that he gave to me when I, was, I think I was like 17 at the time, um, and so I wanted to share it. So 
at the time, my sister um, met this guy. His name's Brian. They're married now. But at the time, they were dating for, I think she met him in, like, November. So they had been dating for about four months. My birthday is February 1st. And uh, I had met him for at Jenny's birthday dinner. That was, like, th- uh, January. I should know this. <laughs> I think it's January <laughs> 17th. She's probably going to listen, too. Uh, anyway, it was at her birthday din- dinner, like, two weeks before mine. And that was the first time he had come around our family. So family dinner and, and my family, we have a tradition of doing like birthday letters or like words of affirmation for someone's birthday. So at that uh, birthday dinner, he kind of like got to see what we do. And then anyway, that's when I met him. Right. So then two weeks later, it was my birthday and he um, kind of weird, but he wrote me a letter and he felt so Brian's been really into, into like the prophetic and he then the God often gives him words and he shares with people. So he felt like the Lord gave him a word for me. And again, remember, he didn't know me like at all the time. But he gave me a word. Basically, it was that the Lord wants to use me in business. And mm. it's sort of how the Lord used Abraham. He wants to use me. And he gave me a reference that was Genesis 17, 1 through 9. So I thought I'd read it. It's kind of cool. But um, oftentimes when I have felt discouraged, like I'll go back and read this. So I'm going to read it. Um, Genesis 17, 1. So it says, Now when Abram was 19, 9 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. And be blameless. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will truly multiply you ex- exceedingly. Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but now your name will be Abraham. But I will make you a father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make you nation. I will, I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants, and after their generations and forever, and for an everlasting covenant, uh, to be God to you and to, and to your descendants after you. I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your sojournings, the land of Canaan, and an everlasting possession. I will be their God. God said to said further to Abraham, now as for you, you shall keep my covenant and you and your, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. So basically he's saying like, I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to, you'll be exceedingly fruitful. And he read that to me and I had some other words of encouragement. And at the time I was, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I, I knew I wanted to be in business, but I didn't know what it meant. And uh, it was just super encouraging. So I, anyway, I'm not sure why, but I remembered that on the drive home and I thought I wanted to share on this podcast. So um, it's a cool little like, story. And it's kind of been yeah. fun to see like, like so far, like the start in business we've had and kind of like seeing like so far how's God, how God has been using me and how things kind of feel, I guess, natural and like they feel like mm-hmm. right, you know? So I, I I just believe that God has that for everyone, not specifically business, but like whatever it is, I think God wants to multiply you. He wants to, it to be fruitful and he wants it to be abundant. So yeah, cool little encouragement. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I just have a couple other uh, updates and then we'll probably close after that. But um, on the topic of work, I've been reading more of Garden City by Charmac Comer. And um, there's it's a lot of time to wrap it up, Corey. I know. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're still kind of treading through. One we had of a couple five weeks. books, too, huh? Yeah. We had, we had a couple of weeks where we took a little bit of time off, so I haven't read through a whole bunch of it. But there's just, this is actually really, really fascinating. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on it. But basically, he talks about um, the curse that God put on Adam and Eve and how they were different for basically for man. Uh, for men and for women, you know, for women, he says that, you know, childbearing will be painful. Uh, but for men, he says that, you know, basically the ground uh, will, will be cursed against you and, you know, it will, you will toil, you know, to, to work the ground and there'll be thorns and basically like, it's going to be like fighting with the earth essentially. And he says, so this is the quote now from the book, 
because the curse drives us, oh, sorry, the curse drives us to God. If it weren't for the curse on both the family and the field, the field being like work, basically, we would look to whatever it is we do for work or rest and we would find it. And nothing could be more disastrous for the world than God's image bearers, us, finding identity and belonging, even satisfaction apart from him, God. Thankfully, that will never happen. Whether we look to the family, marriage, childbearing, uh, parenting, relationships, tradition, or to the field, work, our job, career, what we accomplish or buy or sell, or even to rest, play, leisure, music, food, drink, vacation, skiing, none of these things, as fantastic as they are, will ever yield the kind of life that we crave. And that's a good thing. So the curse is actually a blessing. Because imagine, you know, I was thinking, so basically what are the implications of this? Um, especially as like more, I don't know, ambitious guys. I think about especially like people, I don't know, like big shots, right? Like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and whatever. Like ultimately they still, even though they created these amazing companies and insane amounts of wealth and super, super creative, like all basically the world's resources at their fingertips. They really wanted to like just, you know, uh, an unfathomable amount of impact that they can have they're still like, um, they still can't be satisfied by that thing. We can only be satisfied by God. And it's really, really easy to like look to work as like, I just want to find the thing that I'm good at and like, you know, build my craft and, or just like make a lot of money. And it's a good thing that we don't find our satisfaction in those things that it's a good thing that God cursed the ground against us Mm -hmm. because otherwise we would never find God. We would just, we would do our work or we would have our family and there would be no need for God. There would be no, uh, like even a part, let's just say, you know, sin entered the world. If God didn't curse the family in the field, we would never find God. It would just be like this eternal separation against him. And so it's the curse of the family in the field that drives us back to God. And, um, I just thought that this was so interesting. I never thought about like what the purpose of the curse was. Yeah, it was also interesting to think about, like, we know that, because that wasn't, like, a new story to you, right? Yeah, I mean, no, We know that, like, where our satisfaction is found. But if we think about how most of the time, right, we probably, like, don't find it in the right place, right? Or we're, like, we're wanting so bad for work to fulfill something or to, like, meet some kind of, like, need or, like, new level of achievement or whatever it is. We push for the next biggest thing, the next mm-hmm. milestone, and it doesn't exactly do it. We've talked about this, but, like... The idea of like, wow, I got what I want. Like, kind of like now what, you know? Like, I've had so many of those times in my life where yeah. it's like, I want the school. Like, the most recent one has been like to stop working on the events and have <laughs> someone, some guys run it. And uh, I've, I've, I've had a little bit of that. Like, okay, like mm. now what? Again, it's kind of email. Like what you're and yeah, it's, you know, the next it's back business, to what so. you're saying. Like, it's not like that. That so that should drive me back to God, yeah. and not it shouldn't make me not feel onto the next thing. Yeah, not onto the next thing, and it shouldn't make me feel like um, empty and like and like void it should make me go back to god yeah um so yeah i just thought that was so interesting mm-hmm. um there there's another like related point to this which is um in my devotions i've been reading through first timothy and in first timothy six kind of continuing i feel like every verse i bring up has something to do with this and so it's like why not but uh, it has to do with like riches and wealth and sort of like stewarding and finances and stuff like that and so in first timothy six Starting with verse 17, is, he says, uh, this is Paul, obviously, to the fir- to the uh, to Timothy, who was basically like his 
coworker slash apprentice uh, for another church in another area. He says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty or prideful or egotistic, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so they may take hold of what is truly life. I thought it was Court, you're so good at reading, dude. <laughs> I oh, suck thanks, at man. it. <laughs> you're just like, you're so smooth. I appreciate it. It doesn't always feel like that. Yeah. Um, but he has these like three, uh, not commandments, but like these three kind of like orders mm-hmm. and um, charges, you know, to use that language for specifically for rich people in the church. And so he says to do good, right? So it's like have an impact, help the church mm-hmm. and others be purposeful, like just generally like don't be a scumbag. <laughs> it's kind of like also how I read that. Um, number two is to be rich in good works. And it's interesting because I looked in the, basically like a, it's like a study Bible and there's like a little commentary kind of verse by verse by verse. And, you know, it had that phrase rich in good works. And then basically the explanation of that was something to the effect of kind of paraphrasing, um, because, you know, these people had riches that they didn't need to work necessarily anymore. They could spend their time in service of others. I thought that was interesting. Like basically rich in good works, you know, it doesn't just mean like putting your money to work, but also putting your mm-hmm. time to work and your connections to work and your resources to work and basically like putting yourself to work, even though that doesn't like scale mm-hmm. necessarily, uh, just making yourself useful to, to other people. And then three is like the obvious one, just to be generous and to share. But like, that was also like, Hey, because they're in this situation, they should be like, there's a, um, there's an obligation, uh, like mm-hmm. a, uh, a responsibility, a duty to be generous. I'd be curious, I mean, probably not. I'd be curious if there's anything in there. I'm sure there was, there was not anything in there that said like, uh, you know, because you have been rich, you know, then be generous and do good so that they will appreciate you or so that they right, will. Right. It's probably not that. It's probably just like do good. Like you have this, so give it. Just do it. With nothing in return. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's, that's exactly it. Uh, that's kind of like how the chapter ends. Yeah, it's been the hardest thing for like for me and Connie recently is there's been some people that we've tried to help out over the over the last year some small things we've done, and I, we don't do it because we expect anything like back. But we've we've done these things quietly. We don't talk about them. We don't like post or share. And like no one really knows. I think I think I've shared some things with you like off this, which you know about. But that's it. Yeah. And I think part of me is that okay, I'm gonna like help this person and they're gonna be grateful or they're gonna. Whatever they're gonna, not gonna, they're not gonna owe me one, but you know what I'm saying they're gonna be grateful, and you don't get that. Like, like go I, learn. I haven't, or they'll taste, I haven't yeah. experienced. I've ex- yeah. actually experienced the opposite, and it's been mm. so bizarre. We've been talking a lot about it, and it's. I actually was talking to Mike about it, um, Mike Van Meter, and it's kind of asking him like, dude, like, it makes me not want to do this. It makes me yeah. not want to be giving or want to like yeah. try to bless people because, just weird. Anyway, so mm. it's a constant reminder for myself. So that's you know, be if you're rich, whatever, whatever. do be be generous and share. You know, do good period yeah period that's it yeah uh the last one is more in like the learning category but i've been recently into this book called thinking and bets so uh, that's the book name yeah yeah it's it's really really interesting so i picked it up because i had heard it and i had even heard um the author on a couple of podcasts before but i finally pulled the trigger on it because i've been more into like poker recently which is sort of my um my guilty pleasure as of recent which drives monique a little bit crazy just you know for fun but uh, the author basically she is a she was a professional poker player, 
um, self-taught, like basically just like rose up and she ended up winning all sorts of tournaments and the world series of poker and her and her brother were both professionals at some point, very, very well known. And, and then now she's like kind of parlayed that into this career of, you know, startup advising and corporate advising and like taking these lessons she learned from like the poker world into life and business. And it's kind of all, you know, packaged in this book, thinking and bets. Um, it's actually a really like, forget the whole poker part. Cause it's like not really like, the most interesting part. And there's not, it's not about poker at all, but, uh, it's about this idea of thinking and bets. Uh, so one of the like keystone examples that she uses is, uh, Pete Carroll in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, you know, the Seahawks come back, they were down, I think by like five or six or something like that. They're on the one yard line with only like 30 seconds to go in the fourth quarter or something like that. And uh, I think it was second down. And instead of giving the ball to Marshawn Lynch, who was just like dominant, you know, beast mode running back to push it into the end zone, he calls a, um, a passing play from Russell Wilson and he gets picked off and uh, runs for, I think a touchdown or he gets, you know, gets intercepted and the Seahawks lose and everyone blasted Pete Carroll for how could you, you know, pass the ball and put the ball at risk or whatever. And, how could you not give it to Marshawn Lynch, whatever? And, uh, and it's, so basically like there was a lot of people, like a lot of people in football, you know, understood the call play. It was basically like, well, that's what they expected, you know, the Seahawks to do. And, uh, and so they were trying to like counter that and actually look at the statistics, like the amount of interceptions that happen on the one yard line is like very, very, very it's like extremely low. It's like the safest place to make a, a pass basically. Um, but there's all these like principles like there's um uh so poker players but also this is kind of like the principle is called resulting where you judge the quality of a decision based on the result of that decision but, like Pete Carroll didn't make a bad play call it was just a bad result like you know it was like a 99 to 1 chance of it getting interception and it happened to be the 1% chance that it actually happened um and so it basically it's all about how do you make good decisions and how do you make decisions that may not even have like the best results or outcomes. Um, but her whole thing is like, uh, you know, life is not like chess. It's like poker with chess. You have, you know, super complete information. You can see the board. Everyone sees the same thing. It's very like, you know, constrained. Everything's black and white. It's either like a good move or it's a really bad move. Uh, you know, it's sort of, it's sort of science, right? There's a winner, there's a loser. But like life is not like that at all. Life is more like poker where it's like there's incomplete information. Everything's kind of like in gray. There's lots of winners and lots of losers, a varying scale. And it's more of an art than anything. And um, one of the quotes that really took out to me was she said, uh, she's like a big proponent of what she calls truth seeking, which is the desire to know the truth regardless of whether the truth aligns with the beliefs we currently hold. So her thing is that if you want to make good decisions, you have to have good beliefs because your beliefs are the foundation for how you make decisions. The problem in this, like this is the whole reason why people make b bad decisions is actually because they have bad beliefs. And she has these like funny examples of this guy was trying to do like a PR stunt to like promote, uh, selling, uh, turkeys like before Thanksgiving. And he like, rented a helicopter and like dropped turkeys out of the helicopter 
and then like <laughs> turkeys can't fly and so they just like were like you know splattering on the ground oh and, like gosh. hitting people's cars and he was like i swear i thought turkeys could fly he's like well yeah you made a terrible decision That's because funny. you had an incorrect belief about turkeys and a lot of people just have incorrect beliefs about how the world works how people work what's possible what's not possible what's reasonable um uh what what is good and bad and you know so it goes back to someone like pete carroll he had a belief that making a, a pass at the one-yard line was a reasonably safe decision. Lots of other people have different beliefs, but it doesn't matter. It's, you know, good beliefs turn into good decisions. And the only way you can have good beliefs is if you're a truth seeker, is if you're okay with absorbing information that challenge your own beliefs. And he ba she basically talks about how, like, uh, there's this thing called motivational reasoning where we basically, once we have a belief, it's like almost impossible to move that belief. This goes across religion and politics and business and, you know, relationships. But like once you have something, any information that comes to support that belief, like you're going to remember that thing and support it. But anything that comes against it, you won't even look at it or consider it at all. So you have to take the, like the approach of a truth seeker to like, disregard all of your beliefs and like any information you take from just a blank slate and to, you know, reconstruct, like constantly tear down your own beliefs, reconstruct your beliefs. That'll help you make good decisions. And in the end, hopefully have good outcomes, good results. Um, it's kind of like this. So I was like, wow, it's a really, uh, interesting book, but that was like the highlight. That was good. And I want to yeah. read it. Do you consider yourself, um, like a safe decision maker? Do you, kind of outweigh like the risk versus you know what you know about it and the reward like how do you make decisions i think so well okay so like the main like one of the concrete examples i've been thinking about is this whole like startup investing thing through like angel checks and equity crowdfunding because through all the like conventional wisdom out there it's kind of just like spray and pray like you just if you're gonna do it you just have to like invest in everyone because you don't know which one's gonna turn into a billion dollar company I don't exactly agree with that. Um, but I do think that basically uh, for the numbers to work out, like I have to say yes as many times as possible with a really concrete set of beliefs about what makes a good yeah, that makes sense. investment. And so I'm not just saying yes to everything, but I'm saying yes to everything that, that checks the boxes yeah. for my beliefs. And that for me, it's uh, business to business, software SaaS as a service you know software as a service um i know the founders uh i have used or know the product well and it's a huge growing market like those are just like the sort of like the big ones and uh, it's like you know almost impossible to like screw those up uh even for things like you know stock picking and crypto like am i making good decisions here like it really starts to challenge like the way you think about things even you know, political stuff, like who to vote for, where does that decision come from? Like that definitely stems from your beliefs. Uh, but there's a lot of, Oh, here's the really interesting part. So I think we all know this to be true a little bit, but it's hard to like think about this for yourself, but they did, um, she talked about this research where they did a study of, they had fans of certain football teams, uh, watch the, like just watch the replay of a game but they cut out all of the like referee calls. Like they didn't cut out um, 
the plays and like the calls the referees made, but they didn't, they cut out basically like the decisions that the referees made, if that makes sense. And for either team, the fans of the team uh, found three more, three times more like penalties and, uh, you know, referee calls against the other team than their team on both times. Hmm. So it's basically like, you know, whoever you're rooting for, whatever you believe, hmm. you would just automatically like you, you glaze over all the mistakes that your team makes mm-hmm. and you yeah. automatically point out the flaws on the other person, the other team, mm-hmm. the other party, whatever it is. That's just how it works. But you have to train yourself hmm. to not do that. That's it's funny. just like, yeah, ubiquitous. Everyone does that. Hmm. That's funny. So I don't know how to uh, transition or segment segue ourselves to a, a close, but I thought um, you were the king of segways, Corey. Dude, I know. I've been thinking this whole time, racking my brain on how I can do that. I just don't don't think that there is. Um, actually, a good decision you can make is to leave us a five-star rating. <laughs> Corey Haynes. If you want to uh, help out the show, three ways you can do it. Drop into your podcast player of choice. Leave us a review and a rating, five stars. You can leave an extra star in the comments for a review, and that'll help us out a lot. You can also just share it with a friend. If you can't, if you haven't already, subscribe. That really helps. And um, otherwise, we'll see you in the next one. Peace.